Well, hey there, I'm Pastor Cody. And I'm Pastor Matt. And we are here on this faithful Thursday to have one of those things that we like to call a conversation. Look it up in the dictionary. It's a pretty good word. Yes. Shall we converse? We are going to converse, and Mm -hmm. we are here. uh, We're talking about part four in our Roman series. So if you're not caught up, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the messages. Uh, And this one specifically, Mm. I feel like, is uh, a good one. It's, uh, I think it it offers a very different perspective than I think would be traditionally brought out mm. uh, from the text that we looked at, the latter cool. end of Romans 1 and the beginning of uh, Romans 2. Mm. Let's jump in. All right, so we are here talking about uh, your message um, at the time of this recording, this was yesterday. Um, yeah. So it was good stuff. So this is, uh, like we said, part four of Romans. And the text that you focused on was uh, Romans one eighteen through 2.29. Yeah. Um, such a broad scope. And I think uh, if you want to download the notes, uh, they are linked in the description. I think mm-hmm. that'll help you a lot uh, if you're listening along. Um, but it's a broad stroke. And I think that as the conversation unfolds here, you'll see... Uh, why it needed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we start off, or I say we, you, <laughs> we're going to start <laughs> off this conversation um, <laughs> as I poach all of your hard work here. Um, I'm probably staring at 20 hours of uh, twenty hours of prep time. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, once again, just to reiterate, I'm very thankful for um, Scott McKnight's book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's reading it's Romans backwards so much. And thankful for Scott Mercer recommending that book. Yes. Um, I feel like we should have Scott on the podcast. Yeah, that would be, be cool. really cool. Yeah. I'll he, reach out. All right, cool. Yeah. Unless um, you're watching, Scott, in which case, send one of us a message that you'd like to be on this <laughs> broadcast. I think all 17 of our viewers would be grateful <laughs> that you're a part. Um, but hey, you know, yeah. whatever. Click that anchor button and click uh, contribute there and uh, be a part of that. <laughs> get behind the paywall. You know, get behind that. Like yeah. and subscribe. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, his perspective has, has just really shaped and molded. Uh, and I think for us, it's, it's definitely, um, intensified because of our background, you know, and where we come from, but, yeah. uh, really thankful for that. And I think even reading, you know, just basic Lexan, Lexham commentaries, <laughs> reading <and> some Lexan, <laughs> <laughs> writing on them Lexan tablets I got upstairs, uh, with my expo board. But I, I think, um, yeah, it's it's just it's not that it's different. It's not that it's and I I say this a lot. It's not revolutionary or a new idea. It's just the same ideas and concepts um from a much better perspective. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're changing what you know, what the gospel is or how we feel about justification even though there is some debate on that. Um, you know, it's more about seeing it from the right perspective, the right angle from uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of like clue, I guess. Like that's kind of what came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're putting together all of the elements, uh, in the evidence, right. To say, okay, it was, you know, Colonel mustard in, in the kitchen with the rope. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's yeah. like ultimately somebody died. Right. And we get that. Yeah. Um, but you know, <laughs> Working backwards from the end point, though. Yeah, but well, I'm, I just, in general, like sometimes evangelicals, it's like we have all, as long as we end up with the right goal at the end, that it's justification by grace through faith, we're good. Yeah. Well, not really, because the story, if it's not told correctly, if we don't understand, 
you know, who committed the crime, you know, then we're assuming liabilities onto people and projecting liabilities onto them that it really had nothing to do with them. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately for me, I would say we blame the church more for uh, worldliness in the church rather than hypocrisy in the church. You know, we blame people more on the fact that they're not Christ-like enough instead of, uh, you know, from maybe from a, a newcomer perspective, rather than addressing the people who've been there for years and years and years who are not Christ-like enough. And they're, they're really hurting it more than the newcomer. And so really Romans gives us this perspective, you know, mm-hmm. of how this church was being built and how it is and probably the most important work that uh, allows the gospel to reach the Gentile nation. Um, and that foundation is built upon because of the perspective uh, that Paul approaches it, you know, and, and it's going to include and, and become, uh, that's going to become more real as we march our way through the book and we see even towards the end. Yeah. Um, but this, this topic specifically, it's a difficult topic. We're talking about at the end of Romans chapter one, verse 18 on, uh, it addresses the sinfulness and the idolatry of the Gentile world. Um, and he brings in same sex attraction as well as a long list of other sins. But that's really, uh, for me and folks that study the Bible, um, you know, that, that's kind of like a go-to passage for homosexuality. And, uh, now this transgender ideology that's, that's coming into our, uh, our society and, and in the mainstream, if you will. And so, People go there and they they use that as a, a proof text or a billy a club. Yeah, they really do against people that are not like them. And my goal wasn't to not speak truth, um, and and that's the hard part, right? When you come out with a statement, uh, our this whole <laughs> uh, our whole entire society right now is structured on you know a small statement or a hundred and how many characters is it for Twitter? Uh, is it one hundred and sixty? You know, it's like 160 characters. I'm under 30. I don't have one of them. (laughs) I have one. I don't use it. But uh, my point is, is like we judge people based on a post on social media rather than a life that's lived. And so instead of isolating these scriptures at the end and saying, all right, there it is. We declare that our church is is against uh, homosexuality, right? Um, The goal is to be against sin. The goal is to be against immorality. The goal is to be against anything that is uh, an idol instead of, you know, the place that the Lord should be and should have in our lives. And so looking at it in its context, just to give a little bit of clarity for this. Shall we look? Conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's it's more about him using that as an introductory statement, connecting it to the other group of people who are the Jews um, within this church context, these house churches, and I had never really seen that before until I had read this recent book. Really and, good perspective. Yeah. Do you, I mean, so do you feel like, and this, this is just conversing, so maybe a better way to simplify it, maybe for those that are listening, do you feel like Paul is taking those extreme immoralities of the Gentiles on, the, on what would be considered the extreme end? And then he's equating that and leveling like, hey, you Jews who judge them and are therefore like disassociating them for the, from the church for that, like you are also without excuse and guilty. So he lays them both out and he just squares them off and says, you're, you're just as bad. Yeah, not just that. And I think that it carries weight also in saying, 
remember when we talked about, I think this may have been last week and I definitely wasn't feeling good last week. Uh, but here I am feeling better with a little bit more of a voice this week. But If you noticed, our broadcast last week was probably about 20 minutes shy of what it normally is. And that's because he was about to about to pass out or vomit on this table. I'm not really sure which. Yeah, Maybe made, both. We made it through, though. Yeah. Um, anyway, we don't call out. We crawl in, friend. That's what we do around here. <laughs> Sometimes we crawl in late. But yeah, we crawl in. but we crawl in. Come on. Um, <laughs> 8.32. No. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the, the point of, um, we, we mentioned race, right? And that's definitely at play, right? Jew and Gentile. And Paul even says, uh, wise, foolish, Greek, barbarian, Scythian, right? So, uh, race is at play here, but to say that it's only, this is only an issue of race. And I think that people make that problem. They, they make that, uh, an issue today where it's mainly or only about race, and that's a problem, right? Because there are other issues in the church. And so specifically to your point about it, um, what stood out to me is in the contrast, yes, he said their sin is mm-hmm. as equal as, but what he's saying is they're judging a whole group of people by the extreme end of what those people do. Yeah. And that's to me, that's the crux of the message of this part is saying because they're not Torah abiding, they're homosexual. Right. Because they're not falling into your cultural expectation, mm. then they are, uh, they might as well be the furthest thing from the Lord. And so to say this, because I, if you're watching this and you're gay or homosexual, like our goal is to not alienate, you know, right. our goal is to not let the differences in how I run my household and how you run your household divide us. In fact, like we want to, we, we want to sit at the same table. We want to converse. We want to love each other and love each other well and um, figure that out, right, from a perspective. Because without conversation, uh, none of this matters. With, right. w- without relationship, mm-hmm. none of this matters. So the goal is not to say, you know, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, I have to preach the Bible and I have to preach it faithfully. Yeah. And that's most important. And so sometimes those messages are not popular or they're not uh, politically correct in 2022. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Is that, is it that is 2022. <laughs> I was looking at something on our website this morning and I was like, wait a minute, I should change that. To, it's 2022. Yeah. This yeah. It's like, that's crazy. <laughs> it is. I feel like um, on that note, I feel like culturally, scratch my ear real quick. I got tickling. You're tickling my ears with your doctrine over here. Um, <laughs> um, <sense> of- <laughs> go ahead and say it. Nope. <laughs> nope. They won't ahead. even catch it to edit it. No. Oh, man. That's a, that, never mind. Um, anyway. Stay the course. Yep. I'm going to stay the course. Well, I feel like culturally, <laughs> like we do. We do judge group whole groups of people by yeah. the extreme end. Like if you And that's what they're doing. I feel like Lecrae is always like a prime example that comes to mind of somebody who will perform at at an event that is hosted by or is a part of with somebody who's like pro abortion mm-hmm. or not pro life or, or something else in that circle that is right. a is a dog whistle, so to speak, for like the conservative crowd. I can't believe he would perform with people like that. And it's the same it's the same issue. Like you're judging a whole demographic, mm-hmm. right? Fifty percent of our country who would identify as like a Democrat, you mm-hmm. know, you're identifying all of them by the extreme end of that group, right? And that's just unfair, and right. it's not productive. And yeah. beyond that, like, our gospel ministry will be very ineffective mm-hmm. if we choose to live that way and yeah. and converse with other people that way. 
Yeah. And every comment section on Facebook ever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I'm not, and and that's another, I I posted something not that long ago, even after the halftime debacle and it started again. And I'm like, nah, delete block, you know, because it's just not helpful. It's not helpful because, um, you know, the truth of the matter is there are people in my life, in my like immediate friend group, social group that, uh, one is transgender and one is gay. And, yeah. and I mean, we, it's like at least, I don't know, every month or so. And, um, you know, <laughs> anyway, I have relationships with these folks and they know where I stand, but they also know that I love them and that I care right. for them and that I would help them. And, uh, anyway, it's, it's that, that walking that line and understanding. And I think that maybe this will make sense. Maybe it won't for, for folks, but, um, we have family members, we have, we have children, right. That are going to do things. I know that I'm not, I know that my kids are going to one day do things that I don't agree with. I know that, you know, one day they're going to go out on their own and whatever I taught them at that point, it's, it's, it's up to them. It's their responsibility to do, uh, right before the Lord and, and to carry on in that aspect. I'll, I will have done everything that I can do. And at that point it's up to them. I can pray for them. Uh, but I can tell you one, one thing. I'm not going to stop loving my kids. I'm not going to I'm not going to stop or alienate them because of something they're doing. Uh that's not going to happen. You know, I'm going to love my kids no matter where they are and even if they believe and of course I'm going to still love them, uh, especially if they believe in and go different ways than than the way I think they should go. Um so that's just like one example of someone being family where whatever you're, whether I agree or disagree, I'm still going to love you and care for you. And it doesn't have to be the, the point of contention or the hotbed of conversation. Every time we get together, Yeah, we can agree to disagree and still continue to do life with one another. And I think that that's like, to me, the, and I'm going to preach, I'm, I'm pretty subtle on the fact that I'm going to preach a whole nother message on this next week. Um, and of course it's Palm Sunday. Uh, and I, I may even bring some, I was thinking about bringing some illustrations of Jesus doing this with people during his ministry, mm-hmm. people that, you know, people are like, why are you associating with her? Why are you associating with him? Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's what I do. I associate with people that, uh, the, the spiritual religious people don't think I should associate with. Right. But he never condoned their sin. He never let them off the hook, but they were okay with it. Why? Because they knew he loved them. They yep. knew there was something supernatural above nature, right? And so that's really, um, I just want to echo Paul's sentiment over and over with the fact that, you know, he was saying nature declares, they understand, they know. And so I'll take the position that the Lord is working, the Spirit of God is working in a way far beyond what I could work, far beyond what my words could articulate. And so rather than we stand up as pastors, teachers, uh, you know, those that are trying to disciple and, and win or evangelize or right. Rather than, rather than trying to come up with the perfect words and just love people mm-hmm. rather than, rather than trying to win the argument, uh, you just do what you think is right. And that's where, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to me saying, I don't agree with that lifestyle. Um, but you know, your lifestyle, it doesn't necessarily affect me. Um, and so I'm going to be over here with my wife being faithful to her, loving her, caring for her and raising my children. 
Uh, and that's what I can do in this situation. So rather than jumping over in your lane and telling you all the things that you're doing that are wrong, I'm going to be over here in my lane doing what's right. And what will come from my lane into your lane is love. I will love wide uh, to, to the place that you will feel something from me. And it's not judgment. It's not something that I'm standing in opposition of. Um, you know, and occasionally things will come out of my lane that you'll be like, oh, I don't like that. Hashtag he's like, stay out my lane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a bigot or he's, you know, I, and we've all been called some of those things just because of a position that we take. Yeah. Um, but for those that know me and, and that actually would talk with me and would do life with me, know that that's not my attitude and that's not my perspective. And that's not what they feel when, when they do life with me and my kids, my wife, like when people come to our house who aren't like us, they don't get treated differently. And in fact, they probably get treated better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the kitchen table is open and there's, there's food there and there's a warm greeting. And anyway, um, this discussion should be had more, I think. I agree. And I think, um, you had mentioned loving wide and I think we're, Here's where the tension gets kind of funny with this whole situation, I feel like, is we think in our... I think this is a big... I told you I was reading that book on Gen Z. Um, but I think that where things get fuzzy is we think that loving wide and showing love to somebody means affirmation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where it gets kind of hairy is we want to... You know, we want to love people and we want to, you know, display the love of the Father in what we do. Um, but there's like that fine line where like, okay, well, does that mean that we should just affirm or approve, you know, things like on the extreme end, homosexual behavior, you know? And I think that, you know, there's a lot of churches nowadays that are, you know, they call themselves affirming churches. And I, I, I hear the sentiment a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like when you read the end of Romans chapter one, like even though Paul's, Paul's point isn't like, I'm going to talk about the gay stuff real quick because that's important. Like that's not, that's not the point. But at the same time, like you can look at all of that and see that it, the root of that is not good. Like what leads to that is not, is not God's desire is not appropriate for the church to be participating in. Mm -mm. And therefore we shouldn't affirm it, but we should love those who do affirm that. Um, yeah. so that, that I think. And maybe you can speak more to that. Um, but that I think is just where that weird, that weird tension is, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that we all, you know, and if you're watching this and if you've struggled with homosexuality or bisexuality, transsexuality, whatever, whichever one of those umbrellas that you may have fallen under or fall under currently, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't dislike you, hate you, you know, any of those things, but, um, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, we believe that the word of God is the word of God. And we have to, we have to navigate that properly, you know, if we want to do justice to it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, if you're looking for a biblical answer, right. Um, that, that answer is what will help guide you to a place of peace and comfort and stability. And, you know, I think just plainly looking at the statistics of, uh, it can be a little harsh, but looking at the realities of where certain life lifestyles take you, and it says it there in Romans. I, and, and rather than me just saying that, let me let me find it and, and quote Pull it. it up real quick. Yeah, let me find it and quote it for you. It says, "Therefore, God hath delivered them over in their own desires uh, of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves." Right. You it's know, not a good thing. It's not. And I would say this: like health issues. Um, you know, and I'm not just talking about homosexuality either. You know, it's, 
fornication, uh, sexual uh, acts and things outside of marriage, like, I mean, it's no, it's no secret. Like if you have physical ailments that come from that. Right. And if you have one, uh, it's, it's such an intimate thing that we have degraded to this base act that is literally just a desire, right? Well, no, there's intimacy that goes with it. And so those that echo that it's literally just desires between two, two humans and uh, fulfilling those desires. There's nothing spiritual that happens with it. There's no connection that happens with it. It's merely just a, an act, right? That's just like eating a McDouble or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's depending on your opinion of a McDouble, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But my, my point is, is that, you know, the Lord states that, you know, you're kind of being handed over to the problems that that's going to cause. And so, uh, I'll say this, like, being in my seat for years and years and years of helping people recover that have struggled with uh, folks that have been on the addiction end of of the sexual aspect and and everywhere in between, like there is trauma that comes from it. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between couples who practice abstinence, uh, form a marriage the way the Lord intends, and stay faithful to one another and keep to those promises and covenants. They don't tend to have the same issues. They don't tend to have the same struggles. Um, I'm not saying they're not perfect. I'm not saying that it's not hard and difficult still, but uh, it's different. It's clearly different. And so nature declares that, right? And so that's what Paul's getting at. There's an original design here. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is when we take that design and then when we mold it and put our preconceived, I called it Christian comfort blankets in the message. When we take our Christian comfort blankets and we cover other people because of our weaknesses, because of our uh, uncomfortability, and we say, you have to do it this way so that I'm comfortable, we would then be defined in this passage as the weak. We would be the weaker brother. We would then be defined in this passage as the judge. And so uh, there's a lot of freedom is what Paul is saying. There's a lot of freedom and a lot of expression within the world to do and live and operate uh, within the boundaries of creation the way the Lord intended it to be. Um, But there's also a lot of bondage and there's also a lot of sin. And so to Cody's point, you know, uh, if you partake in these things, Paul is direct after he addresses the worst of the worst in the Gentile world. He addresses the judge in the church. Uh, he addresses the the Torah abiding Jew that's looking down their nose. And he says, both are guilty. And so the object here is to not be guilty. Right. The object here is to be righteous. The object here, and for, for some of you that may listen to this that don't know the Lord and don't know about what we're talking, um, what we're not saying is a good life. What we're not saying is earning or meriting something. Uh, no, uh, because that would be the opposite of what the gospel is teaching. And that's going to take time for you to understand that. And so know that we're not projecting onto, onto you or anybody a list of things that you have to do to be labeled right. No, Paul is saying whatever background you're coming from, there is a way for you to honor the Lord in that background, Yes, in that lifestyle, in that culture, in that context. And in that, when you conform uh, Christoformity, I think is what is what McKnight calls it. But when you conform your life to Christ, 
in whatever context you are in, you will find fulfillment. You will find joy. You will find peace um, in, in no matter what situation you're in. And so uh, if your marriage sucks <laughs> and you're like, this is terrible. I don't know how to fix this thing. I promise you, if you look at what Jesus says about marriage and you start emulating and, and, and doing some of those things that Jesus tells you to do, it's going to get better. Why? Because he designed it and he knows how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. It's like me going to the mechanic shop and saying, uh, you know, fix my, my car. car has a shutter. <laughs> my car has a shutter and they still haven't fixed it. <laughs> and then them saying, here's the problem. And then me saying, oh no, that's not the problem. It's the, it's my, my hood on my car. Well, no, your hood doesn't have anything to No, It's, it's the hood on my car. I have no basis for that. I'm literally just picking something random saying, no, that's the problem. When I have no clue what I'm talking about. That's what happens when the creature tells the creator how, how things are supposed to work. God says, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And I think that Paul's leaning into a very uh, observable pattern in scripture of basically, you know, you think about the flood, you know, where... Mm -hmm you know, order on the earth was disrupted in such a big way that God said, mm -hmm. oh, okay, you want to, you want to decreate? Well, here's what decreation really looks like. Mm. I'm going to hand you over to what you think that you want. Right. And guess what? You know, flood, you yeah. know, and deconstruction. it's the, deconstruction. And it's the same thing that Paul, it's on a micro scale, what Paul is saying at the end yeah. of Romans one, like they, he gave them over to what they wanted. Yeah. And that wasn't a good thing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if but that we wasn't, gave each other over to, complete immorality to exactly. the point that we had no compass, uh, no guiding light, no, you know, no right or wrong or moral behavior that would navigate those things. I mean, it, we would implode. Exactly. And so I think that some people look at the end of this chapter as a, like the big thing, like this is, you know, we look at, there's a couple sins in Western Christianity that I feel like we like the big ones, you know, they're, they're greater than all of the other ones. And that's not how Paul would have looked at it. It's not, you know, which is why he draws that contrast between like, here's the extreme immoral immorality of the Gentiles. And here you are being the judge and guess what? You're all the same. And here's why. Yeah. You know, and I want to say this too. And I, I was kind of like on the path to say this and I don't think I finished it. Hashtag the path. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many, that's funny. So uh, many inside jokes that yeah. none of you will ever know. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but, uh, anyway, I was, I was on the path to say this, um, and I'm, I'm derailing right now in this <laughs> moment. I'm trying to find my way back to it. Um, but this goes, th this, this is important, right? Paul, where Paul is headed is chapter three, where he is just saying, look, all of you are sinners. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everyone is, is off. And so this, this is really important groundwork. Yeah. So whether you are the Torah abiding Jew, right? Which clearly I'm not a Torah abiding Jew or a Gentile coming from a different background. We know that the Gentiles, we know that the Torah abiding Jew in this scenario, in this context are the oppressed. We know that they are the ones who have been exiled from, uh, from Rome, you know, and the emperor kicked them out. And over the last 10 years, they've made their way back into, um, really a lower class standing. And so the Gentiles that were in this, in this house church community, they would, they would have been the ones with the better jobs, fewer taxes in, in, in a better situation in life. And so what I'm saying is, is Paul is, is a prudent man for see if the evil and hideth himself. He's seeing the issues that are going to come from the Jews going and looking at these Gentiles saying, you'll never be what I am. But he knows that they're saying that not just out of a place of, of what they actually mean, but out of a place of hurt, 
right. they're saying that because they know they're being oppressed and they know they're in a bad way and the Gentiles have it easy. So you have it easy. So yeah, you're not going to eat kosher. Of course not. So you have it easy. So you're not going to take the Sabbath and rest. And, and maybe if I didn't do that, I would make more money, right? That's the, the older brother and the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is Paul has leveled the playing field and he has said, like, look, the Jew, they can sin and be judged even in their law keeping. And the Gentile without the law, they can, they can definitely sin and be judged without the law. But you can do right by the law. You can fulfill that. You can do what you're supposed to do and have a relationship with me. And they can do what's right. And they can fulfill their relationship with me with the law that's written on their heart through their conscience. And so right and wrong can be established with or without the law. Both have issues. Both have sins. Both struggle to do what's right. One isn't right and the other is wrong. Both struggle with the state of being wrong. Um, and so I wanted to throw that out there. This isn't something that everyone in church, and this is the problem, when everyone in church acts like they don't have you know, junk in their closet and they don't have stuff going on in their lives, and that's where the, the problem is. Um, we're not looking at you as being lesser than. We're saying all of us are struggling. Church should be a place of revelation Church should be a community where everybody sees um, no matter at what stage they are in their relationship or no matter what stage they are in their walk with the Lord, that they have stuff that they have to work through and they have things that they need to continue to pursue the Lord in and ask the Lord to redeem. Um, You never reach this place, this side of heaven where you're like, man, I don't have spiritual work to do. Right. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. And so this isn't saying I don't have that sin in my life and I'm better than than you. No, absolutely not. Like there are certain things that I have victory over, but there are other things that I don't and that I'm continue to work on. So it isn't something of a rival. It's a constant journey. We never arrive this side of heaven. You know, we don't believe in sinless perfection here. Um, so that's, I think it, it's, it should go with being said the idea that um, just because you struggle with a sin that is out there in the open doesn't mean you're lesser than Um, it just means that other people see that more and it gets maybe a little bit more attention Um, but the lord knows on the other side where there are people who are christians who are in the church uh, they've just gotten better some of them at hiding their sin (laughs) really good at hiding stuff right but it doesn't change the fact that both are on the same uh, playing field and both need salvation and both need to be redeemed. Um, so anyway, it's not a matter of one is perfect, one is figured out, figured it out, and the other isn't. Paul is actually trying to obliterate that argument. He's trying to erase that. Yeah, and I think um, circling through your just the the practical points there, and I think you kind of broadly hit all of them in what you just yes. said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and they're in your notes there, but the first one is do right. And you said, uh, no matter what, do not justify your questionable behavior through comparison. And I think a lot of people do that. Like, well, yeah, I struggle with that, but so-and-so over there, they do that. And I'm like, not even close to that. And that's just very wrong-headed thinking. Um, You know, I think (laughs) our priority shouldn't be how right are we compared to somebody else? How right are we compared to the ultimate standard as far as what we do, you know, what we do being right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's um, it's just a natural response to want to compare ourselves to other people to A, you know, we either want to make them look bad or we want to make ourselves look better yeah. or a mix of the two. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, comparison is just 
awful. Yeah. Nothing kills anything quicker than comparison. Yeah. And that's with anything. It Mm -hmm. really is. It's just, um, you know, the idea that someone else is motivating you. I understand that, but that can become, you know, it's a fine line there. It is. And it can, it can get you, especially in the realm of, of your spirituality. Like it, this is a, a personal thing between you and the Lord. And, there are ways and aspects through the spirit of God that we can help each other, but hey, this is not a one up game. Yeah. And if you know, all of us have spiritual mentors and I think sometimes we lean a little bit too heavy on them. And then when something inevitably happens to them because they're humans, then right. we're like, oh, right. You know, I will, I, I'll never be as good as them. And they still, you know, fill in the blank did mm-hmm. whatever, you know, fell to the wayside or, yeah. you know, did something that's just inexplicable, you know, mm-hmm. and that's very discouraging. And whether you put a bunch of stock in them or not, it's discouraging for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, but don't, don't hook your heart to that. Mm-hmm. Just don't. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah. Anyway, moving Anywho. through here, um, love wide. If the, if there is just a speaking in tongues here on the podcast, you heard it here first. <laughs> just kidding. Ish. Um, if there is just as much opportunity for someone that is far from God as there is for someone that is close to God to be at odds with the Lord, then love everyone. We can accept everyone without approving of their lifestyle. And we already kind of talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Just the fact that, you know, (laughs) the Jews would have viewed the Gentiles as very far away Yep. and they would have viewed themselves as close. And Paul said, no, both of those things, no good. Yeah. Don't do either of those things. We do. We would do good to, to internalize that. Yeah. In this, in this passage, mm-hmm. you know, in this portion of scripture. I agree. It really is neat to just kind of watch the, cause I mean, if you've read Romans any amount of times, like you know where the conversation goes right? and kind of dissecting these and seeing how, just how brilliant the, this work is laid out and how it progresses. Like yeah. it's, I can't even imagine how long it took Paul to put this together and his, you know, his works in the ancient world, like Paul's letters are some of the longest Mm-hmm. pieces of literature from that time period that we have to date. Yeah. I think not even some of the largest, I think they are the largest mm-hmm. volumes of, you know, for the most part of what we have, um, as far as like single volumes, you know, words in a single volume. Yeah. Um, and finally let God decide both what is good for you. And b- let God decide both <laughs> what is good for you. <laughs> Take his praise and not the praise of man. And also, who you will let into your circle. Mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it does need, it, it needs some explanation there. Um, both what is good for you. You know, there's, there's this element here with the strong and the weak and the judge, right? The Jew versus the Gentile. There's this element of them saying you have to do this. <laughs> right. Right. In order to achieve spirituality, in order to, you know, be accepted into this body of this house church or these believers. Right. And so, um, what I, what I see is let every man be convinced. And of course this is more Romans 14, the beginning part of, of the message. But, um, when it comes to the differences among, among ourselves, like we need to let the Lord decide what is right for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, the key is that it's right. And I think that's the first step. You know, there's, if there are folks that are saying something is right for them, that's clearly wrong, wrong from <laughs> scripture, right? Then that's your first clue, right? That you're not letting God decide mm-hmm. and, and you're being your own judge in your own life, you know? Uh, so you can reverse engineer this in your own life as maybe you're giving yourself too much slack in some areas and too much freedom in, in mm-hmm. certain ways that the Lord would not allow 
And so scripture's clear about a lot of things. You can see some clear uh, lines that are drawn by Paul in the end of chapter one, right? And so it's, it's just spelled out. So let the Lord decide what is right and wrong. And that moral compass there will help you. It will help you determine whether or not you need to change and repent um, from your current lifestyle. And so let the Lord decide. And also just kind of uh, on that note, take his praise and not the praise of men. So I think, you know, when we get into this um, debate of what we should or shouldn't do, a lot of it's motivated by, especially if you're a, you know, a Torah abiding Jew or a, a non-Torah abiding Jew, we, we separate into these factions so quickly and, and then we take ownership of the good things that we do. This is, this is the, the reverse of this playing out saying even, uh, um, let's say you're the Jew. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna do this because I know this would be against my conscience, right? You're borderline walking on that pharisaical end when you engage with other people on what should be a personal thing between you and the Lord. I think here, here's an example from, from, um, Jesus's ministry. Uh, those that are fasting openly, scripture says they have their reward, right? Because other people now know what they were doing, you know, for the sake of spirituality. But if you're looking for affirmation, like Cody said, in the realm of a a spiritual decision in the natural realm, then you'll have your reward. If something is a supernatural decision or supernatural thing, like a fast or something like that, then receive your praise from the Lord receive the differences. There are things that I do in my own household with my own family, with my own children that aren't going to be prime time on a Sunday morning that most folks won't even know about. Why? Because that's between my family and the Lord. And, and it's for our relationship and it's for us to do right and love out of, and then the Lord will decide. So, you know, if we do more on the personal end in our walk with the Lord and in our relationship with him, we receive praise from him for those things. It should be enough. And then he's also able to work in us and through us to reach someone else on another complex issue that maybe we didn't even know about. And so I think there's just, there's a lot of things that have come to um, maybe the this idea of, you know, other people seeing them and knowing about them. Social media, I think has exacerbated this, um, in terms of like, you know, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And, you know, this is how we do life. And we're so thankful and so (laughs) grateful. We want so bad to share what we do with others. Yeah. But it's not, to me, it's disingenuous because if it's meant for you and the Lord. And if he told you, if he shared with you that he would have you do that, number one, you wouldn't be forcing it and pushing it on other people. And it wouldn't be, you know, what you're putting as your status update. Right. Yeah. So I think that we can kind of like look at what we're projecting. Are they Christian comfort blankets? Right. Are they our statistics of our own victories and losses and our own Christian faith? Right. Um, and then we can judge that by our circles and who we let into our circle. So you can kind of see the progression of thought in that number, number three, letting God decide. 
Um, if what we receive from the Lord is very personal and very instructional for us, and we're not projecting onto someone else, then if that is genuine, then I believe firmly that we will be surrounded by people who are not like us. Mm-hmm. We will be surrounded by people who don't have those same marching orders and we will be okay with it. Yeah, I agree. Anyway. And, and I, <laughs> right. And what, a lot. what gets in the way of that is when we say things like, oh, well, I'm glad that's good for you, but I could never do that in a clean conscience. <laughs> yeah. You know, the I've ba- heard some the variation of that. The backhanded, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm better than you, but I'm really just trying <laughs> to be humble. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Like, oh, you guys served alcohol? Never come at a dinner at your place again. No thanks. Yeah, that's a big one. I think it's it's the easiest one to pick on because of how... I mean, people don't come over to my house because of that. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm, you know, from the former... I'm, I right. know. I know for a fact. Not because that's what they've said, but because that's what other people have told me that they have said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people literally will not come to my house because of that. And that's mm-hmm. fine, you yeah. know. Um, but (laughs) they have their reward. (laughs) Well, and I, I think for me, I've come full circle on a lot of these things, you know, there's, and people look at me and I don't want them, I don't want to cause them pain, uh, because of my position, but that's always going to be, there's always going to be tension because I preach the gospel. I mean, look at Paul's life, right? What I'm going through is nothing compared to what he went through. Um, but there will always be people that, uh, don't understand or don't know or, or understand the context of my decisions and my family's decisions. And that's okay. Uh, we will gladly endure any reproach for the, any at all for the sake of, of his name. You know, I'm yeah. okay with that. And we've been okay with that. My wife and I have been in this game for a long time, but uh, I also see and understand that there are those that are the judge that are the weaker brothers, according to this passage of scripture Yeah, um, that have, man, they have mistreated us through the years. Mm-hmm. And I think you part know. of it is due to the misconception like, oh, you're a hypocrite because you preached against that for years. Yeah. And it's, you know, but it's not hypocritical. It's, I, I would look at that as growth. <laughs> growth. Like, <laughs> people like, change. Yeah, yeah. People change. And, you know, we would view that as growth. They would view it as hypocrisy because they just assume that, you know, what you were preaching was right and what you're now preaching is wrong because yeah. it's different. And that's just not, it's not the case. People move through seasons and, you know, all those different things. But I think that, you know, what we shouldn't do as the church is we shouldn't focus so much on what we can't do and what we don't do. And we miss out on what we should be doing, which is preaching the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to get tied up and I'm pro this, anti that. I, you know, do this, don't do that. And then we're like, hey, when was the last time you like invited somebody to church or shared the gospel Mm -hmm. with somebody? And like, oh, I don't know, but I don't drink alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and if it matters to you, I think that it's interesting to read this book and see who is defined as the weak. Yeah. And who is defined as the judge. Right. And very upside down as to what you may think mm -hmm. at face value. Yeah. And so to be the strong one, um, you know, it would require the intestinal fortitude for other people to not agree with you and you being okay with that and, you know, having more liberties in in that regard. It just means that um, you're going to be put in more situations, you know, that you have to draw that line on what's moral and what's immoral. Right. you know, so it, it's definitely something that I think churches uh, and some churches, I mean, they're not going to get out of their own way. And I understand that at this point, And it's just not going to change. Get on the bus or get up, run over by the bus. friend. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Isn't that funny? Oh, my goodness. What a podcast. But 
Uh, not talking about ours. I'm talking about someone else's. <laughs> but this one, what a podcast. Oh, what a podcast. A scene here first. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, you know, it's even in my own life, decisions that I've made, watching people separate and be divisive over over these things, it's just not worth it. And it only hurts the church. It only hurts people within the church. You know, I, I can think about, I was talking about it actually with someone yesterday. This is a, a fairly fresh conversation where, you know, my wife and I literally, our entire friend group was gone overnight. Just like that. Just like that because of a decision a church made. And it was like um, pretty much what one would equate as church discipline for, for really telling the truth. But, um, you know, when Christians act and behave like that. <laughs> they said, you always talked about how you were, last time you were spanked was age 18. Well, get ready for it because you're getting spanked again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Publicly in front of the whole church. But yeah. Uh, I, I think that like I look back on a situation like that and it was a defining moment for my wife and I, but at the same time, it was also lonely and it was also difficult. And, um, you know, if you're a part of a church, you know, you really should consider how other people feel more than how you would feel if your schedule or your specific uh, rules and regulations were mixed up because that's what it boils down to. People have their sacred cows and, and they are more sacred to them than the people that they're surrounded by. And Paul's preaching a message here in this book of Romans, a book that many churches use for the Romans road to lead people to Jesus. And the primary message here is you need to get along with other people. You need to, you need to, uh, you need each other. You need different perspectives. All of you are needed in this body and it's only needed and it's only going to work if you guys can get along and have some unity there. Um, so we bypass the message of what's actually written in the book for our own, uh, you know, achievements and for our own uses uh, that weren't necessarily the design of, of what Paul and, and ultimately the Holy Spirit are trying to teach us. So I would say, you know, maybe you're listening to this and maybe this is the first one you've listened to. Um, hashtag check your heart. Check your heart. <laughs> and figure it out. Uh, go back, listen to the other messages and, and come along for the ride as we read through this book. It's, it's an incredible work. Yep. We will, uh, <clears throat> we'll see you on Sunday to continue that conversation. Yep. And we'll see you right here next Thursday to continue this conversation obviously the more important of the two um <laughs> just kidding because one stems off of the other it's an order thing but anyway yeah. headship god bless do less we'll catch you <laughs> next time have a good day